Ulterior. We are back, y'all. And when I say back, I mean that I had approximately one week of an off-season, if even one week, because uh, there was some, or there is some exciting stuff going on with the platform of Ulterior. Um, if any of you guys, by chance, have not seen yet, um, we moved to video, on social media at least. So every video that's posted online, whether it be TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, anything else, it is all done as a video now, as opposed to, you know, the audio-based only thing that had been going on for a couple of months. And this was done because I think video is the next step forward that Ulterior can take, and I really am trying to grow this brand in 2024. I want this to be something that can be recognizable on all social media platforms. You know, I want people to know about what I'm doing. I want people to know what it is that I can offer in terms of like seeing media that nobody else can right now. And so video is a big, big fucking deal when it comes to that stuff. And so, you know, we got to move forward. Am I comfortable right now on video? No, not necessarily. But if you want success in whatever it is that you're doing, you cannot be comfortable. You cannot be complacent. And I think if I continued on another year doing audio clips, that would have really showed, you know, just how like scared I am, I guess, of certain steps, but you can't be scared, man. You just got to go for it. And right now, brothers, we are going for it. Um, I made sure to clarify, though, just now that the video content is strictly social media right now. And I say that to say that as of now, the podcast itself is not moving to video. So everything you hear on this episode, this audio format is the only way you can hear it. I do not currently have the technological nor housing means to really, you know, try and push forward with doing video podcasts. And again, I also kind of need to build up the I guess, like, the courage and whatever else within me to, you know, be at least somewhat comfortable on camera for short format before I move into anything long formatted. So I hope that made sense, and I hope that you guys have, you know, been able to see any of the videos so far, interact with them, whatever the case might be, and, you know, just please continue to show up and show out for this content because, you know, this is my passion project. This is a, a real dream of mine, and I'm doing video to benefit all of that, and, you know, I, I can't do it without the support. I haven't been able to make it this far without the support for that matter, so, you know, if you checked out any of the, the year-end series, if you checked out any episode last year, any content clip on TikTok, Instagram Reels, whatever it might be, genuinely from the bottom of my heart, guys. Thank you so, so fucking much, and I ask that you find it within you to continue to support Ulterior, continue to run up the numbers on uh, these podcast episodes, on the TikTok clips, you know, anything. It would truly mean the fucking world to me, guys. And having said all that, now we can go ahead and move into the first episode of Season 4. So, 
This episode is going to be covering everything from December that I missed out on because I had uh, November 30th as my cutoff date for year-end 2023. So, uh, what do we got on this episode? We got brand new singles by the likes of Ghost Atlas, The Home Team, Architects, Galleons, and a couple of others I want to mention, and then brand new records by The C4 Cinema, Frontiers, Psychoframe, and Alexis Monroe. Thank you so much, thank you for tapping in, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Obviously, the biggest news story over the last few weeks was the one about Jordan Fish leaving Bring Me the Horizon. It was confirmed by both himself and the band on social media. And I want to say, firstly, that I completely understand the initial fan response of anybody who may have been sad or confused by the whole ordeal, because if you weren't tapped into the online speculation and rumors about why Jordan wasn't on tour with the band or why he wasn't tagged in any Instagram posts, then, you know, this was very much so out of left field. And I feel like even if you did know about all that stuff, it was still very surprising and shocking to say the least. The other thing I want to say, though, is that after that initial shock wore off, I was continuing to still see posts relating to, you know, like doom theories and doom posting. Just people saying things like, oh, they're going to sound like there was a hell or suicide season again, or that um, the direction is going to be lacking without Jordan's production and guidance. And I just want to say, like, from the bottom of my heart, I truly believe that saying things like that, it negates the... Uh, the talent and the abilities of not only Ollie Sykes, but everybody in the band and everybody who they work with. I really believe that Bring Me the Horizon will still be okay. And I think it's very exciting to get to see what they can do now, you know, as their own minds. And then Jordan having the freedom now to collaborate with so many other artists and bands in and out of the scene. Like this can be really exciting for Jordan. And I'm not trying to speak on behalf of every Bring Me the Horizon fan. I'm not trying to say that like, my opinion is ultimate in any way. But what I will say is that I have been a fan of this band since 2008. I believe I've grown up with their music. Uh, you know, they've been with me every step of the way. I, I literally have the uh, That's a Spirit umbrella tattooed on my finger. I am not worried about this at all. I have no doubt that Bring Me the Horizon will still continue to be one of the best bands in the world. I have no doubt that Jordan, with this new freedom, will be able to aid so many other bands and artists the same way that he did, he did Bring Me the Horizon. And yeah, like, like I said, I'm ultimately really excited about this move, and I cannot wait to see what everybody involved does in the future with their talents. And, you know, in any situation, fuck it, we ball. We move. Life is going to go on. And now I will uh, proceed to go ahead and get into the singles for the episode. And the first one of the first song to rank number one in Scenic Overlook for season four of Ulterior is In the House of Leaves by Ghost Atlas.
So I don't believe that I've ever actually spoken about Ghost Atlas on this show before, and that's pretty fucking egregious on my end because I really do believe that Ghost Atlas is one of the most exciting and refreshing projects that any of us could be talking about right now. Uh, if any of you guys are unaware, Ghost Atlas is the solo project of Jesse Cash, who is part of Era. Uh, he does guitar and clean vocals for that band, and just somebody like myself who has always been so enamored by Jesse's abilities in Era, getting to hear a project where it allows the expansion of his skill sets in a lot of ways, that's just really exciting and invigorating. And he's now part of UNFD as Ghost Atlas, and he has a record coming out January 26th, The Dust of Human Shape, and he released a couple singles back in uh, December and November. But of those singles, In the House of Leaves is... The one that I really, like, I just gravitated to it the most. I really love the rhythm and the flow of that song. I just love, you know, having this kind of, like, an alt-rock with a hint of pop flair from Jesse. And just being able to, you know, kind of hear where his mind went in a sector of his range of versatility that doesn't have anything to do with metalcore. It's just, like I said, it's so exciting to get to hear Ghost Atlas, and uh, if any of this excites you, you know, please go check out Ghost Atlas, check out the album on January 26th, and, you know, just continue supporting Era, Ghost Atlas, and Jesse, and everything that he does, because he is truly one of the, like, real virtuosos of the scene. Here's one that I have been really, really excited to get into ever since first hearing about its December 1st release date, Loud which is the brand new single by the home team. This band is pretty fucking good, aren't they? And I really do believe that the home team is providing a sound for audiences that you can't get from anybody else. If you want one specific band that can scratch that itch for post-hardcore or pop-punk or pop-rock or R&B all at the same time, the home team is the band that is going to do that for you. I think Loud is an amazing song that really allowed the audience of this band to end the year on such a high note and understand that going into 2024, the home team will not slow down their momentum whatsoever. And just on a personal note, um, just to kind of like relate, you know, what it is about the home team that really makes me feel so inspired to talk about their sound. I can remember so vividly being a kid and finding songs about Jane by Maroon 5 and just being, you know, so appreciative of hearing something done in that sound and style. And then as a teenager, I felt very similarly towards issues and getting to see the rise of that band. And then now in adulthood, I look at the home team in the same light. They're able to do that same exact thing for me. And it's just fucking beautiful to watch, guys. Like this, this band is truly remarkable and special. And I do believe that in 2024 and every year beyond that, they can really take themselves as far as they want to and become not only one of the biggest bands in the scene, but one of the biggest bands in the entire world. Architects is back and brother, they are pissed off. And I'll explain why that's okay. Uh, the new single is called Seeing Red.
So let's talk about this single and how I believe that architects are completely justified in feeling a certain way towards the section of their audience who have just been clamoring for them to make music that is more so in alignment with like uh, all our gods have abandoned us as opposed to for those who wish to exist because there is a big big fucking difference between constructive criticism towards a band who you love and also weaponizing the trauma of this band and the shit that they've had to endure and you know i've definitely seen people do the latter and that shit is not cool whatsoever and i think that only fueled the aggression that you can hear within sam carter's voice and the rest of the band in their delivery on seeing red i think this song is pissed off for all the right reasons and sam does an amazing job here of channeling that energy into these very clean sounding screams and just the pristine melodies I know this man has always been able to carry the song just like I said it does an incredible job at really conveying that message and I think it's the perfect way for architects to usher in this new era of the band and whether they continue to go into a heavy direction or you know they stay true to uh, some of the more recent melodic based stuff. I'm still going to be there for them. I'll always support architects and I think if you're you know a genuine true fan of the band you would do the same thing. Galleons released a brand new single. It is Dead Men Wonderland featuring Ryo Kinoshita. So in the last few times that I've talked about Galleons on the show, I've mentioned that they are preparing to release their brand new album on February 9th called Violent Delights. And in the midst of this entire singles rollout, I really do believe that Dead Men Wonderland is my favorite as of now. There is something very controlled about the chaotic nature of it. Like the song starts off in kind of a heavy way and then it pauses for a moment and then comes back in with these really beautiful piano melodies that I was just like so taken aback by and I thought it did an amazing job at building up the rest of the song. Um, having the vocal trade-off between Tom Byrne and Ryo Kinoshita was just one of the coolest moments in all of December that I got to experience when it came to new music. And, you know, Galleons, they've always had, like, that steady hand. They've always had that dog in them. And there's something about the rollout for Violent Delights that makes me believe this can be the record that really, really helps propel them into superstardom. And I would love for that to be the case because they have more than earned that level of recognition. Novelist came out with a brand new single. It is Morning the Dawn. We're now a few songs deep into the tenure of Camille Contreras as the front woman of Novelist, and we've kind of been able to see, you know, a few different sides of her, uh, some heavy, some on the slower end. I would say Morning the Dawn definitely fits into the latter category. And you know what, guys, that actually does make this my favorite single so far with her at the helm of this band. Um, I mentioned this a while back, I believe, but 
When I first discovered uh, who Camilo Contreras was, it was on a novelist song from 2019 called uh, C'est La Vie. It was the title track to that record. And there were these really like slow and soft sections of that song that really allowed me to see, you know, just how enchanting her voice is. And I think above all else, Morning the Dawn does much of that as well. And so that creates this extended attachment that I can have to this song. And I just think overall, it is just a really wonderful and beautiful track. And it might be actually in my head, it not, it might, fuck, I fucked all this up. I was going to say it might be the biggest shining achievement so far for Camille as the front woman of Novelist, but I don't think it might be. In my opinion, it truly definitively is. One of the most exciting young bands for me to talk about on this show, Letter Sent Home. Uh, they have a brand new single out. It is Elements. Where I last left off on Letters Sent Home was giving them the nod for 100 Top Songs of the Year through both versions of Request Denied. And, you know, I feel like me including both versions, it really, or at least it should have, really put over just how high I am on this band and how I think 2024 can be a really massive year for themselves. Um, I think Elements is a song that really adds to that conversation and it just kind of furthers my mindset that this band, you know, they've got all the tools right now and they really can take themselves as far as they want. Elements is very stylistically different from Request Denied in the sense that Elements, it's a lot slower and softer. I think there are a lot more moments for Emily to just really allow her voice to be, uh, you know, as glorious as it is. Um, there's like this electronic implementation to elements that reminds me a lot of, uh, what Paris were doing on Evergreen, specifically the song Animal. Like, I feel like, um, there is this connective thread between the two songs and I really enjoyed getting to hear this side of Letters Sent Home and this side of Emily's voice. And, you know, like I've been saying, Letters Sent Home, if this were a perfect world and a perfect scenario, they would have next. Um, I don't know to what extent that can end up happening, but my hope is that whatever it is that Letters and Home come out with this year under Sharp Tone Records, you guys show up and show up for them because they have a really cool and interesting sound that I don't believe you can get from any other band right now. Alone is the name of the brand new single out by If Not For Me. So I have noticed this band getting some extra love and attention on social media as of late, and I'm just elated about that because from when I reviewed their 2022 album Eulogy, I could tell like there was a lot of promise and potential here within, if not for me, and I definitely think it has been realized on this stretch of singles they're on alone might be the best of that bunch. I think this is a really powerful song. Just so easy to get into. Very catchy for that matter. It definitely falls into that category of like 
you know, catch your breath and until I wake. But I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, that's kind of one of my favorite directions that I've noticed a lot of bands going into as of late. And, you know, if they've got the formula down, if they have the, uh, the prowess to pull it off, then by all means go for it. And I think if not for me, more than anything else, they have that prowess. The final single that I will go into detail on for the episode is by Trash Boat. It is Liar Liar. Brother, hell fucking yes to any opportunity to talk about Trash Boat on this show because it's not something that I get to do very often. Uh, 2021's album, Don't You Feel Amazing, one of the most celebrated records of that year for this show. And I think if whatever they're going to be doing in the future is, you know, in alignment with the sound of Liar Liar, um, this is going to be like another easy home run for this band. I think Liar Liar is able to find a very comfortable spot in, you know, some of the, uh, the more new metal adjacent stylistic choices that Trash Boat can make. And it's for all the right reasons. I think Liar Liar is very powerful and heavy and energetic and just really gets across like so well how Trash Boat are able to navigate this kind of a sound like with such ease, man. They, they really have all the tools. Like I think they've been finding that really nice spot for themselves in the last few years. And I want to see them more than anything else continue to expand on that sound because again, Trash Boat, you know, they've got everything, man. They really, really do. These were the remaining singles from December that I gave either a 4 or a 5 to in their views on social media. Prisoner of You by Alienist. More Want by Banks Arcade. Purge by Brand of Sacrifice. Bite Through My Tongue by Casey, which I inaccurately called something else on social media. I apologize. Uh, Namesake by Cat's Claw. Blind Spot by Charlotte Sands. Trouble in the Winter Circle by a Comeback Kid. Me, Myself, and I by Colt. Anxious State of Mind by Dream State. Broken Things by Drown Out, Like Hell by Emma North, Casket of Rust by Enterprise Earth, Bite and Claw by Fault Lines, Lesser Gods by Ghost Satlas, Seeker Stretch the Night by Ghost Atlas, Heaven by Hands Like Houses, Gloomtown, Brats by I Don't Know How But They Found Me, Breakers by Makari, Butterflies by Normandy, Simp by Not a Toy, Animo by Profiler, 20 Milligrams by Revnor, Nobody Loves Me by Rivals, Parasite by Set It Off, Chewed Up by Sweet Pill, Other Side by Telltale, Talking to Myself by The Disaster Area featuring Our Promise, Still Enough by True North, Jaded by Voltrius, Down by Watch Sleeps featuring Malevolence, Waiting for Better Days by Wither Away, and Hard to Live by Woe Is Me featuring David Benitez. So no song got below a score of a four. However, there are two songs that I want to kind of, you know, bring to the front of the class per se. And just kind of uh, say a, a thing or two about. Um, not disparagingly, but, you know, I, I just want to talk about it a little bit more. Um, Heaven by Hands Like Houses. So... 
couple months ago, we all found out that Trent Woodley was no longer a part of Hands Like Houses, and the band has since then moved forward with Josh Raven from The Fame as their new frontman. And I'll say this, I like Hands Like Houses, I like The Fame, and I do like this song as well, but I think I like it at a base level right now. I don't believe it has, you know, that same charisma that so many of the Hands Like Houses song with Trenton at, at the front of it, you know, they really had and they really exemplified. And, you know, it's just the first single. It's not a big deal, but I think for a first impression, it makes me wonder, like, you know, um, what would this band have sounded like had Trenton stayed with them as opposed to what they sound like now with Josh? And that's not a great thing. The other single that I wanted to kind of, you know, put this spotlight on in a way, um, Talking to Myself by The Disaster Area. It's a good song. You know, I have no complaints about that. Um, yeah, man, this really does sound like a crooked melody by Holding Absence. I, I saw the comparison before I heard the song, and in my head I thought, like, you know, okay, how... How bad can it be? You know, like maybe it's an exaggeration. Maybe it doesn't really sound like a crooked melody. No, it does. It really, really does. Um, rhythm is very similar. Melody is very similar. Um, the chorus itself, uh, just like the enunciation of certain words and the phrasing, like, yeah, that's pretty similar. Um, and I'm not at all saying that uh, the disaster area like went in and intentionally ripped off Holding Absent. But it is something that, you know, I don't think they can be surprised that people pointed it out after, you know, they heard it themselves. So, um, I didn't see the band promoted on social media anymore. It's still up on streaming services, but I do believe that lack of promotion, it does kind of show, you know, maybe a little bit of a retcon for the single by them. So that was everything for the singles, and now I will go ahead and move into the records for the episode. And the first one up is the self-titled album by the C4 Cinema. So uh, let me just go over the C4 Cinema for a second because even though they're one of like the early bands from Ulterior's lore, I feel like I, I might not have given in the review of In Cinemascope with Stereophonic Sound the full scope of the C4 Cinema and my attachment to them because I had found this band back in 2019 off of the single If You Were a Robot, You'd Tell Me, Right? And there were certain elements of the band I could pick up then, like, okay, post-hardcore, a little bit of pop influence, maybe some mathcore here and there, but I didn't actually believe that the genre influences that they had within their sound really did a great job at just, like, kind of explaining how talented they really are and how the songs to their names just kind of blended these genre lines in a way that I've seen other bands do them before, but I hadn't seen them really do it in the way that the C4 Cinema did. And, and then from there, I would turn to uh, Find Yourself, which was a single that they had back in 2020, and say 
that was another really big launching point for the band, at least in my eyes, because had this show been around in the pandemic like it should have, then Find Yourself would have been one of the most celebrated songs of 2020. I think it really does have that kind of a star power. And then when you get into Cinemascope, other tracks there just really find a way to, you know, have that stranglehold on you. Uh, Crush Nebula on Ice, A Thousand Ways to Say You're Okay Every Day. Um, if you deserve it, you deserve it. Like these tracks just found ways to make sure that the C4 cinema stuck with me every step of the way. And I believe that is something that they have always been able to do. And so coming into this self-titled album, I would say that there were definitely a lot of expectations on my end for this album to top what they achieved on Cinemascope. And in the grand scheme of things, I would say that this album is a little bit of like a, um, I don't want to say a decline in quality because that's not true, but I at the very least would say that I don't like it as much as Cinemascope. I think that there are some great songs here, you know, like Mercury and Gatorade is an exceptional opener and it does a great job at really setting the stage for the album. Uh, if this were a film, the lesson 44 Magnum, uh, Jacob Cracks, like these tracks, they have a lot of the same life and characteristics of previous C4 Cinema songs that I think need to be there for this band to feel very authentic and true to themselves. But I just think like there's something, and maybe it's a little bit of a, like a microscopic thing. Like when I listen to some of the courses on Cinemascope, like A Thousand Ways to Say You're Okay Every Day, that course just has like such a big triumphant feel to its nature. And then when I hear a song on this album, such as, um, okay, actually, this would be a good point to do this on. Let me go back to what I said about Jacob Cracks, because I think that is a great song on the album, but I also acknowledge that the course on it is one of the weaker moments of this record's runtime. I just didn't believe it as much as I do, like, the choruses that you hear on, say, like, uh, Mercury or uh, Dolly Parton, like, those choruses they uh, uh, capture the essence of the C4 cinema, whereas Jacob Cracks, it's like, okay, are, are you just, are, are you trying to sing as high of a note as you can? Like, is that the purpose here? I can't really figure out what it's trying to do, and I think that is what separates it from being, you know, like, a, a really great song as opposed to just a great song in some moments of its duration. Um, I think the song Death Star Valley is another high point of the record, and some of that is definitely because of the Pulses feature. I think what Pulses provide to that song, and I say this as somebody who's like not super high on Pulses, but they really give that track a lot of flavor that I can't find in other songs, not just from this record, but throughout the entirety of the C4 Cinema's discography. It just feels very like, uh, you know, on an island of its own, but for all the right reasons. The closing song, Paper Planes Burning in Paris, the final minute of that, like that closing stretch, just feels very larger than life in terms of the production and just how the entire band comes together to end the record on as high and positive of a note as they possibly could have. I think those are the moments where this album really shines through, but kind of like I said earlier, I feel like if I were to... uh you know, have to choose between hearing this record or Cinemascope. I'm going to pick Cinemascope because some of the songs on that record, they are able to stick out more than the best songs on here. 
Um, you know, if I put Crash Nebula up against uh, Mercury and Gatorade, as much as Mercury and Gatorade is a fucking uh, hooping ass song, Crash Nebula, like that's still something that I go back to, you know, even two years later at this point or beyond two years, actually. So what I would say about this self-titled album by the C4 Cinema is that it's a good outing and I think the band made a lot of strong moves here while also taking as slight and marginal of a step back as a band can. And I don't say that disparagingly at all. This is still a band that I will, you know, keep tabs on and look out for in the future because what they've shown me is that at any given time, they really can put out something that I'm able to you know, just keep so close to the heart and really want to champion to you guys because the C4 Cinema, they've got talent, they've got ability, they have aura. Did I hear it in every corner of this record? No. But do I still believe that the band has all of those attributes? Yes, a thousand percent. Let me get into the album by Frontiers. It is La Trilogie. That that was so fucking shambolic on my end. Uh, I'm just gonna leave it at look trilogy and you know show my lack of any uh French credentials, French prowess. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, okay. Anyways, uh, frontiers. Who are they? Because I didn't really have a scope of that before. Uh, the singles rollout for this album, and I was hooked like pretty early on uh when i look at what frontiers are able to provide aside from just being like you know this really sick french metalcore band um the other thing i get out of them is that there are some moments on here that have like electronic fusion that really does take me to like a dated time of the genre but also one of my favorites at that like in the opening song absorb it starts off with like this 18 or 16 bit type rhythm that you can hear laced throughout the entire song it really starts to surface again fully in the chorus and mixing those uh like varying elements to make absorb what it is that was really really special i believed it was just a great way to kind of start up the record and just really allow myself and anybody else who might be you know looking into frontiers for the first time uh, it was a great way to let us know, like, hey, stick around, like, this shit's kind of class, we can't cap. And then it's immediately followed by Mirage featuring Loki from Alpha Wolf, and, you know, aside from the song just being, like, very, uh, like, heavy and uh, energetic in that sense, the closing stretch of the song where Loki just kind of takes over, that's a real high point of the album. Like, you get Loki on anything, man, I will be there no matter what. That dude is fucking amazing, and... What he was able to lend to Mirage, it helped it stand out tremendously as one of the best songs on the trilogy, in my opinion. And there are so many other moments here where you can, uh, like, really listen in and find those electronic elements really sticking out in great ways. Like on Falling, you, you hear, like, glitch sounds in some areas. 
uh, Insomnia has like this really nice synthesized element that comes in later on. And, you know, getting through this or this early portion of the album, it just felt like Frontiers just like really studied what it is that they wanted to chase for a sound. And they found a way to like really play it to their strengths and in some sections of the album, master it at the same time. Um, you have the song, uh, Vague Noir, which is one of my favorites on the album. And it's actually meant to be like this electronic interlude. And it just has like this big dance club rhythm to it. Just like that kind of a vibrancy. It is just so special. And, you know, maybe it didn't need to be on the album, but I'm just really happy that it was. And now that I've said as much, I am going to give my few minor gripes with the album out the way now and it's definitely going to sound you know kind of contradictory to most of my praise thus far because i just said that i was happy vague noir made the cut for the tracklist uh, something that i will say though is that I-, I think the album might be a little bit long and i i generally i hate that that complaint that people have about shit man like if you're digging something then who gives a fuck how long it is man But I just think that, you know, 47 minutes for a 13-track record, I didn't hear that much variety as you go down the track list that I believe, you know, it it warranted the 13-song runtime. Uh, When I look at how uh, the band went about the songs Menace and Cold Nights, which are the two final songs here, I just felt like by that point, you know, they, they still sound great, but as far as like having any element or characteristic that really made me take a step back and be like, oh shit, what is this? I kind of heard all of it beforehand. Uh, let me clear my throat right quick. <coughs> um, you know, like I said, like maybe by that point I was already like, uh, zoning out a little bit just because I felt like, okay, I don't really hear enough towards the back half of the record to make me believe it needed to be as long as it is. Uh, if some of the ideas were a little bit more fleshed out, then, you know, definitely. But as La Trilogy stands right now, it's a great album that starts to become, you know, just good towards the closing stretch of it. And that's not a bad spot by any means. And I'm not saying being good is bad at all. But considering how high I was on some of the early moments of the album, I just wish I was a little bit more into the closing stretch than I was. But ultimately, that's really, you know, my only grievance in any way with this album. Otherwise, it is substantially great. Uh, There's definitely a lot here to get into, you know, whether you're um, like a virtuoso for like modern metalcore or something a little bit, uh, you know, past uh, time per se. This is a great album, and there's definitely a lot here for you to sink your teeth into. We got the second EP in 2023 by Psychoframe. This one is called Automatic Death Protocol. Yeah, this was the second EP of 2023. The first one, Remote Godseeker, released earlier into the year, back in May. Uh, recently got some love as part of 50 Top Records for Ulterior in 2023. Go check out uh, those episodes if you haven't yet. And something that I was able to take from Remote Godseeker was just this like real astonishment by 
how quickly I was able to be so captivated by Psycho Frame. And it wasn't surprising given, you know, who was in the band and especially with Hunter Young at the front of it. Uh, Hunter, I've always sang the praises of whenever I can. I really do believe Gang is one of the most brilliant minds in the scene and just one of the most versatile vocalists because it's like, this is a man who, you know, really can have uh, some of the most beautiful lines and deliveries I've ever heard when it comes to mood ring and then turn around and just be this fucking demonic beast when it comes to psycho frame. And it's an effect that is so instantaneous on automatic death protocol. Uh, you look at the opening song, a further showing of violence and just the uh, aggression and that like willingness to just batter the listener right away. It is there from the second that you press play and never once in that song or any stretch of the record for its six song duration did I ever believe that Psycho Frame held back on any section of this EP. Um, if anything, Psycho Frame really just kind of showed me like why it is that in my mind they wore Death Course Breakout Act of 2023. And I would confidently say that if they have any activity in 2024, they're just going to further their own trajectories and really, or at least I would hope, expedite the process of more and more people knowing about Psycho Frame and what it is that they're offering. And for somebody like myself, I would say that what it is that they're offering is this sense of like somewhat nostalgia for Deathcore because... I can remember being a kid growing up on MySpace and there were just certain deathcore bands that, you know, even if I wasn't like so immersed in the genre, I couldn't pull myself away from them. Uh, as Blood Runs Black, uh, Here Comes the Kraken. To some extent, See You Next Tuesday, but, you know, not so much, or not as much as the other two bands I mentioned. Um, Psycho Frame just has those elements. Like, it's just so easy for me to listen to not just Hunter's delivery, but when it comes to the instrumentation, uh, the scaling of the frets, the uh, insane uh, double bass rhythms, like all of that plays so fucking heavily into a certain type of music that I identify so closely to my adolescent years. And being able to have a release like Automatic Death Protocol and, you know, in my adulthood, be able to tell you guys that this record just has that kind of ferocity to it that really does mean a lot to me. And, you know, it's any song on the record. It's a plot to nuke the Midwest. It is Crawl Space Messiah. Any little corner of this record has those kinds of influences spread all throughout them. And for that reason, I just feel so closely connected to Psycho Frame and when, when it comes to the scoring for the CP in terms of what I gave it on social media, I think I gave it a nine. The only reason I did so was because I just feel like a, a six song EP like barely fucking scratches the surface of what it is that Psycho Frame can achieve. And, and you know, having two EPs in 2023, that was a, um, it was a favorable format to them, I will say that, and it was favorable in terms of getting them, you know, into uh, the right listeners' um, uh, timelines and feeds and all that sort of shit, but I think right now, where Psycho Frames stand, they're ready for something bigger, and I will be selfish right now and say, I want a full length. I want them to take that next step, 
and I just want more of them because they're one of the easiest bands out there for me to listen to. And for the final record of the episode, this is actually my favorite release of this bunch that I'm talking about today, and that's surprising for reasons that I'll get into shortly. Uh, it is the new EP by Alexis Monroe. It is called Static. This was the one that snuck up on me, and what I mean by that is when I was working my way through uh, 100 top songs and 50 top records for the end of season three, I was like still paying attention to what was coming out, so I would have an idea of what I was going to cover on the first episode of season four, and after Psycho Frames EP, I didn't believe that there was anything else I could talk about. So I was pretty set on, you know, just covering Psycho Frame, The C4 Cinema, and Frontiers. But then I saw on Sumerian's Instagram page, they promoted this EP by Alexis Static. And I looked at the artwork and there was just like something very like abstract about it because the artwork has Alexis sitting down and it's like kind of like spinning clockwise and it looks very uh distorted and I was just like okay what is that you know what I mean because like the artwork didn't really give me any kind of an indication of what this would sound like so at the very least I was interested in at least checking out the opener on the record girl that you used to know and use that as like sort of the gauge to see if this is a release that I would want to move forward with and talk about on the first episode of the year. And just getting through that song, I was like about as immediately sold on a project as one could be. Um, that song in particular just has like all of these different hits of inspiration to it. Like it, it's rock, it's emo, it's new metal, it's dark pop. And I feel like Alexis did a really, really incredible job at taking these different ideas and concepts and finding a way to wrap them into this one collective unit that was done entirely in her vision. And like, I would imagine that this is what she envisioned the finished product sounding like. And for her to be able to have that like clear understanding and make this EP what it was. That is musicianship. Like, that is some true fucking student of the game type shit. And for somebody, you know, still relatively young, like, I believe Alexis might be like 23, 24. If anybody would know definitively, you know, feel free to correct me. But, um, for somebody around that age bracket to be like this confident in their own abilities, that's special. And that level of amazement never once lets up for the EP, because right after Girl That Used To Know is Burn, which I feel like has this really explosive chorus, and it did a lot to kind of showcase Alexis even further to somebody like myself who was a new listener at that point, uh, Language. So Language was a single back in the beginning of November, and had I known about this song at that time... There would have been some internal debate within me about putting language in 
100 top songs. Something that Language does really well is it samples the intro to Papercut by Linkin Park. And like, if you told me, you know, um, somebody would be sampling Papercut, I, I would kind of be a little bit skeptical about its execution. I'd just be like, okay, that sounds cool, but how does it actually, you know, benefit the song? Like, what does it do other than just have like this cool little Linkin Park Easter egg? And to Alexis' credit, she took that sample and just really found a way to, I don't want to say make it her own, but just make it make sense for it to be a part of language. And language has this very, you know, cathartic and heartfelt and emotional chorus attached to it. I don't really care what you say. The fuck I do to treat me this way. You're going about this in the wrong way. Can you shut up and just let me talk? After that, you get two versions of the song Rejects. The first one is the actual song, which features Lil Lotus. And I thought this was a really good pairing to make this song stand out. And Alexis and Lotus, they both have these very unique cadences to their voices. That I thought, you know, it made this combination like kind of perfect in that manner. And then an acoustic version of Re uh, Rejects follows right after that. And I really, really appreciated being able to have these two different versions of this song and be able to kind of get like a closer look at how many layers there really are to the mind of Alexis Monroe and just how well she can craft these, you know, differentiating sides to her sound. And then the EP closes on the title track, Static, which this song has a, a bit of a slower feel and some shoegaze stuff in a way. I, I would say, like, I, I can hear, like, a really big Deftones influence in this song. Um, specifically, Change in the House of Flies, I feel like I can hear bits and pieces of you know, that kind of an inspiration put into Static. But again, Alexis was able to take that style and just make it her own, craft it in her own unique vision. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I found myself going back to Static so many times. At 18 minutes, this is such an easy EP to get through. And it is so rewarding in that aspect and any aspect that you can approach this record from and with. I thought Static was a sensational release by Alexis, and as somebody who didn't know about her beforehand, I'm invested now. Like, like I am interested, and whatever it is that she does after this, I want to be there, and I want to watch it. Because she showed me how big of a player she can be, and I would hope that for others, it had that same effect on them. And that's it. That was every single and album and EP from the month of December for me to talk about, which would mean that I have now finished every bit of material from 2023 that I wanted to get through. So now starting next week, we will begin looking at 2024 material and this is going to be a really exciting year, not for Ulterior specifically, but for the scene at large. Like, I think we're going to see a lot of really cool things play out, a lot of very deserving bands break through, and just overall, man, like, I'm, I'm fucking stoked. Like, I really can't phrase it any other way. I, I can't, you know, mask my excitement. Uh, there's a lot that's going to happen, and it makes me, in turn, you know, very happy that this is the time and the moment and the year where I take a few more chances with Ulterior because I, I feel like that is going to match the energy and the aura of the scene itself. We're going to see a lot of beast bands do some beast shit and 
I cannot wait to talk about anything and everything related to all of that stuff. Thank you for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene. 